1: It's Reaction Monday. Tell us all about it. Joe
0: Foley caught at the 21-yard line. Xavier LeGaume with back to back catches, and he's got the game box inside the 25.
1: Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. Your local Honda Superstore for motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-sides, scooters, and generators. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area.
0: And welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the game, myself, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you. It's Labor Day. It's also Reaction Monday. One game in the books for the 2023 season for the Gamecocks. Unfortunately, guys, I wish we had happier things to talk about, but it was a 31-17 loss for the Gamecocks, and uh, a lot of things looked very, very ugly on Saturday night. A lot of things, yes. Where do
2: we start (laughs) Guys, I'm gonna start right here. So, first of all, before before I say this, I want to say, Gamecock fans, I know you are ticked off right now, but man, y'all showed out. I want to start with that. That was actually one of the most electric because I, you know, Chris and I are both at the game. We sat in the stands. That was the most electric walks into a stadium mm-hmm. I have ever, yeah, participated in. Like people were going insane literally as they walked in. I watched uh, hotel lobbies be taken over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlotte take. I mean, fans, you like completely outdid it, yourself.
0: It definitely looked like more Garnet than uh, Carolina Blue in the stands. What do you think the breakdown was?
2: <sighs> I mean, so if you split the stadium, man, it was like it was almost all South Carolina fans in their half. Mm-hmm. And then. I felt like at least from my vantage point on the UNC quote unquote half of the stadium it was like they had some of the middle lower seats but then most of the upper on the UNC side was was garnet and black with a little bit of like blue kind of um you know dispersed throughout so I mean and honestly noise level it was yep. like 90 10 South Carolina to start the game like it was It was insane. Um, North Carolina fans were very quiet for most of the the day, it felt like. And then, obviously, they started talking uh, (laughs) uh, along about the midway through the third quarter, I feel like. But so, Gamecock fans, thumbs up. I will also say, after I say that, a little bit thumbs down on the take of, man, they got me again. I got too excited for this team. (laughs) And now I'm surprised again by the result because I want to say whenever you go into a season you you always list out the, the quote unquote questions right yeah and questions is usually a nice way of saying this could be a big concern yes now yes sometimes those questions become okay this guy stepped up he, he did better than we thought. You played better. You answered the questions in a positive way. right? However, what were we all talking about in the final lead into the game here on the show? Shane Beamer himself, when asked about the depth chart and the spots he was still watching, offensive tackle, run game in general, run defense, Depth at defensive back once you get past Marcellus Style, O.D. Fortune, uh, D.Q. Smith, and Nikki Minwari. And then depth at wide receiver once you get past Juice Wells, Xavier Leggett, and Marion Brown. So literally, those are the questions going into the game. Every single one of those things, I believe, were pretty much kind of exposed by North Carolina. If you look at why South Carolina lost the game, it to me directly goes back to those one, two, three, four, five questions going in. So in some ways, those questions were what we thought they were. And you know, I, I don't know how how good is North Carolina is a question I have coming out of this game. They clearly were good enough to expose Those questions we're talking about as being concerns. Maybe you're playing, uh, you know, who was it? Eastern Illinois. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Maybe, maybe we're sitting here. Be okay. Maybe we're sitting here going, man. I really thought they'd have blocked them a little bit better up front, but maybe, you know, maybe it's first game. Blah blah blah. No, there, there were no doubts. North Carolina was good enough in those matchups to expose those things. Um, For the most part, the issues ended up kind of being what you may be feared they would be my biggest maybe l- kind of surprise Chris I thought South Carolina would actually have a little bit more disruption their defensive line against North Carolina's offensive line considering the struggles they had last year mm. and the individual you know talking Hemingway Boogie Huntley TJ Sanders Jordan Strawn is back I, I just thought there would be a little bit more of an issue for UNC's front. So, all right, that, that's all I got. I'm going to head on out.
0: <laughs> that's See you all later. That was just, a solid four-minute opening riff there, a little
2: monologue. Sorry, guys, I it's getting it. a little long Well No,
3: but there, there is, you're right, there's so much to unpack. And I have, like, I've ri- even written down big-picture takes and then, like, just micro-takes, like just really zooming in on the game itself. You know, you analyze what happens in the game, and then you try to analyze, especially since it's game one, against two teams that you know we thought were pretty evenly matched going into the game, you know, what happened in the game? What does it mean going forward? Um, here's one thing I want to say big picture, and we'll continue to unpack all this, I think, throughout the week, as far as the big picture takes. Not surprisingly, because this is college football and this is fandom and it's the fan experience. We have, you know, there there are some kind of shut down the season takes. You know, there are some, this is what it's going to be. I I would caution, let's not do that. There's a lot of data. And I think you could point to the last two years literally in Columbia. I mean, remember how we all felt about the Florida game. I mean, that, that team, aside from like one play, looked like it had not played football, you know, in a couple years or maybe ever. And then they go out and do some things the rest of the year, right? Now, it's also, I'm going to contradict myself, it's a little different because I think some of the issues that we've seen could linger more than they did last year. What was the big problem last year? I think we all looked at that offense and said, goodness, there's a lot of pieces here. Why can't they score? Why why does it look this discombobulated? This year, I think there's at some spots a little less talent, at some spots less depth, the offensive lineman that you lost off last season's team, I think that lack of experience is showing, the problems that tackle are showing, and you might not be able to fix those in as meaningful a way, right? You don't just shift from, okay, we've got this baseline level of talent, we just need to tweak some things and we can get there. I think you have more personnel questions this year
0: on offense, and, and so that's a question. Well. Obviously a lot to break down from this game. Let's just start off with the most obvious one. Everybody knows the stat by now. Spencer Rattler got sacked nine times on nice. Saturday night. The offensive line just got bullied by South Carolina or by North Carolina's defensive front. And again, that was one of the main talking points this entire offseason. What's the offensive line gonna look like? Going back to last week in the depth chart, we still had the oars at the tackle spots. Had Fugar on one side, he had Case and Henry starting on the other side. You lose Case and Henry four snaps into the game, then you're having to move guys around there again. Sidney Fugar, as we know, was a guy that wasn't expected to come in and start right away. You had to throw him out there because you didn't really have any other options. He plays about half the snaps, you throw Jackson Hughes out there as well. Just kind of a mess all around on the offensive line, and it showed on Saturday night, not only in protecting Spencer Rattler, but also not allowing the running backs to be able to do much of anything either.
2: Yeah, and I think those things are always tied together, too. If you can establish a little bit of a running, even just a little sense of a rushing attack, then that can in turn help you to give your quarterback a little bit more time to throw. By the end, it was pretty apparent UNC knew they could kind of just pin their ears back, attack. I thought they got more and more aggressive as the game progressed and sending extra guys and sending blitzes because they felt like they could just overwhelm South Carolina up front. I do also wonder, and I gotta say, if you go back and look, I do, I think it was glaring on the edges more. So, like, I, I, I think interior-wise, there were actually some some solid moments. I don't think by any means they were great, like just knocking people back. But um, you know, I, th- I thought they were kind of above, you know, average to slightly above, like just kind of a st- a stalemate type game. It was just glaring outside. I thought there were some some missed opportunities in the uh, blocking department by both tight ends and receivers outside as well. Chris, I, I think Dow Loggins, if you even look at the play calling from the very beginning, quick passes to the outside, I I think in some ways, like you never anticipate nine sacks. Don't get me wrong. No. But this was anticipated. And, uh, you know, but but even some of the stuff to the outside where they're trying to sort of just move the chain or at least get on schedule, I should say. Uh that stuff didn't hit early on. And so I, I think they anticipated those issues, but I don't know, man. It's you're you're kinda already struggling to find answers. I also wonder did the fact that the tackles had not emerged as camp progressed keep them from kind of gelling together as a five. We talked about kind of that deadline of when you wanted to know, hey, here's your five. There were times where you're getting physically beat. There's other times where a tackle is sliding inside to double an interior rush and just letting an outside rusher that should have been his guy just go flying by untouched. So that that's a mental error as well. So I, I, I do wonder how much the fact that they had to scramble and continue to try to figure out who their best five were also contributed to the issues on the field, not just from a physical standpoint, but, you know, the mental busts as well.
3: Nick garzulo I thought, played well. Mm-hmm. Um, Rashawn Lee, I think, was solid, and, and you're right. There were some solid moments on the interior, but the tackles were not good. And Kaysen Henry, I mean, that's a huge, you know, Shane Beamer saying he'll be out for a while I don't know if y'all saw that play. Whew, that was rough. I mean, got just rolled got up, totally rolled up, went completely backwards, and his legs are pinned under him. So you feel for him because he just came off, you know, the knee injury that where he had the he had the surgery back in the spring, missed a lot, missed the summer, missed a lot of the preseason. Um, that's a huge injury because now. I really think Case and Henry could have stabilized right tackle. He only got to play like four snaps. Yeah. I mean, he played one drive or, or maybe part of, I think he played part of another one. And that was it. Um, and I think he could have at least stabilized right. Now you're, you're down again in your depth, and now you're trying to stabilize two positions, which is incredibly difficult. And I've, I've given a, a take that some people have said might be like a hot take on the O-line? I really don't think so. I I think if if South Carolina had had just a solid performance, just an average performance on the offensive line, they win this game. And that sounds weird because you could say, well, goodness, the the defense didn't play that well. But it was a weird game. Normally, if you get dominated both lines of scrimmage, you lose. Mm -hmm. But South Carolina stole three possessions in this game. Mm -hmm. They got two turnovers, they stole. They got the ball to open each half because of the onside kick. So you steal three possessions. And I've, I, I've laid it out statistically, too. I can make my case for this idea.
0: Continue talking about this. Coach Beamer spoke last night after he got the chance to review some of that offensive line film. We'll hear from him coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, here on the game.
1: Reaction Monday. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 1075 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game.
0: And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the game, it is Reaction Monday. Breaking down what happened on Saturday night up in Charlotte, 31-17 loss for the Gamecocks. Obviously, one of the biggest stories coming away from the game was the struggles of the offensive line. Coach Beamer had his Sunday night teleconference, got the opportunity to look at that offensive line film. Here's what Coach had to say about it last night.
4: Uh, I would say it's a combination of both. We got to coach them up, and um, you know there were some things last night that were uh, technique errors, no question about it there were things that just get beating getting beat one on one errors and then the disappointing thing were there were a lot there were a lot of mental errors and uh, some of those mental errors came from our older guys which was disappointing so um we're always about competition Uh, we certainly have to get better as the year goes. We, we, I've said that a million times and I will continue to, and that, that means our older guys have to continue to get better, but our younger guys have to continue to get better. And, you know, our, our younger guys continue to practice the right way and give us a chance to to be successful. We will, we will get them in the game and then give them an opportunity without a doubt. And, uh, uh, but it's up to them. I mean, we've got to practice the right way also. So there's competition all across the board. And, you know, I know you guys get fired up about the depth chart. That depth chart, like I tell you, is, is uh, just, it's in pencil and it changes every single day around here. And uh, if a guy's not giving us the best chance to be successful and somebody else is, we'll get him in there and may have to live with some growing pains, but uh, that's part of it.
0: And look, no team comes out of the gate perfect. You look at some of the best teams in the country over the weekend, Ohio State, Georgia, they had their respective. Struggle. So everybody's going to improve. Everybody's going to get better. And that's the optimism for the offensive line. How much better can they get, though? What is the ceiling for how good this offensive line can be? Because it's not going to get any easier. You got Georgia coming up in 12 days. And if you struggled against North Carolina like that, I can only imagine what Georgia's going to do to them.
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Tyler. And I, I think... You look not not that it makes anybody in Columbia feel any better if you are a Gamecock fan. I mean, look no further than LSU, who represented the West in the title game last year. They had their share of struggles up front against a very good Florida State defensive line. Now Mm -hmm. those guys were getting after it. Don't get me wrong, but you know I I think some of this again is you you got to find a way to find your five and try to let them as much as possible gel together. The problem is, like you said. Georgia in 12 days, you really don't have, so you look at last year, you kind of had a a few weeks into the season, you had that little stretch of SC State and Charlotte. That just felt like a chance to work on some things, to kind of maybe not completely just change your game plan, but work some guys in after you've gathered some data. You got Furman this week, and you have one game's worth of data to go off of. But if you're going to Pull a youth movement at some spots. I mean, Chris, what? Well, like, when? When do you do it? I don't, you do it now. Like, you you don't you don't yeah. do it against Georgia. Even waiting to Mississippi State. Mississippi State is now like must. I hate must win, but you're getting into that territory where you need you need to win that game, right? So if you're going to start to incorporate the younger guys, uh, you know, across the board. You may, not to be reactionary, but you may just have to throw some of them into the fire this week and kind of just let them start
3: learning on the job. Yeah, and be- Beamer, I think Beamer is kind of not giving things away, but kind of setting the stage for to, to see some of these other guys, particularly, I think, on the offensive line. Um And there may be others. I mean, Nicky Minwori questionable for the game. So Jalen Kilgore, Jalen Kilgore, first college game. I thought he played well. Congrats. Man. You got 63 snaps. You got to go play. Right. So it's trial by fire and it's not against, you know, it, it is against North Carolina. It's against a quality opponent game one and, and he did play well. One of the highest graded guys on the team. I think he had uh, 10 tackles. I think he, he played really well against the run in particular. You saw sure tacklers. So, um, you know, guys like him could see more time. Uh, just in general, but especially it, if Nicky Minwari doesn't play, Kilgore is probably starting against Furman. Um, and maybe you hold out even more. You want to make sure he's good. You don't rush him back. But I think on the offensive line, that's where you can really start. Tree by left tackle. That is kind of where my head's at. That's a natural. When, when Beamer says there may be some growing pains you got to deal with, okay, you know, th- there may be some. Wes, you were talking about assignment football earlier. There may be some issues there. With a freshman, there may be some technique things that kind of fall by the wayside because you're kind of you're out there for the first time. You're relying on your athleticism. But they've got to fix this tackle situation as much as it can be fixed. And so I, I think that's one thing you can look at. Um, Markey Anderson, you know, had a setback during the week, Beamer said. He could get in there somewhere. He's been working inside. Uh, again, as you said, Wes, it's not like inside was perfect either. But the focus is on the tackles. they might need to find some more answers there. And and Trovon Ball. I don't think you rule out any of those guys. I think that the focus is really on tree. Let me go back before, to stay on the O-line for just another minute here. Look back at the game, and to go back to my point about how if South Carolina has a decent offensive line performance, this game was so weird, as poorly as they played, they're in the game in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. primarily because of those stolen possessions, two turnovers, the onside kick. South Carolina had several drives that ended because of sacks. Several drives beyond that that were impacted because of early down sacks where you're getting in bad down distances. And then UNC can, as you said, West tee off. I think six of those sacks came on third, correct? I think that's right. I mean, you, you had first possession, you get kind of a... Maybe you don't credit Juice with a drop there, right? That's a tough one. Guy seemed to get a hand on it. But that next drive, you score a touchdown. Third drive, Rattler gets kind of knocked around in the pocket, trips over an offensive lineman because the pocket's not clean. Then you have basically you have four straight with a drop on fourth down sandwiched in between it. You have four straight sacks to end a drive. One of them you have to settle for a field goal then there's more after that. Like you took some, some first down sacks that got you in bad spots. You had Rattler's intentional grounding because he's immediately pressured, you know, 10 yards outside of the pocket. So there were a lot of problems here where, you know, Rattler showed during the course of the day that if he had to the extent that he had a clean pocket, which was not often, he made some throws. He escaped. He bought some time and made some throws. He ran for a first down. So, um, I just think that was huge, despite the defense not playing great, right? Despite no running game, you're still in the game, and it kind of has you wondering, hey, if they could have just given any better effort, any average to solid performance, I really think it could have been different offensively. I
2: think, you know, even going in, we weren't saying, hey, these offensive tackles, you shouldn't be expecting these offensive tackles to look like, um, you know, Alabama. Yeah. If they can just give Rattler, because he did make some really quick decisions. He made some throws with guys directly in his face. So he proved he can do that for you. And, you know, I thought that was actually one of Rattler's better performances at South Carolina, considering all the circumstances. So if you could just give him a little bit of time and, you know, you you heard Beamer mention something I mentioned earlier, just the, you know, a a mental bust at, at offensive tackle from, you know, from a guy who has played for you. So some of those where, you know, you got down there inside the the red zone, and then if you can't run the football and you can't protect, then that's when things really are, are glaring is when you're inside the red zone, I think. And so that was apparent late in the game. They had their chances, but also you were kind of saying, the way this game is going, it's going to be very difficult to score in these circumstances. You it, it was so much based on the offense Saturday night was based on explosive plays. And when the explosive plays were there, South Carolina either scored or put themselves in a position to score when the explosive plays did not hit, which you can't count on that,
0: then, you know, we we frankly saw the result. We'll hear more from Coach Beamer. Take a look at the other side of the ball with defense coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Fire Owl Subs here on the game.
1: You're talking about. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. On your home of the Gamecocks. In Columbia, 1075 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence.
4: I mean, they, uh, our whole plan coming into this uh, coming into this game was just trying to be active and disruptive up front, being able to you know um, make them block movement and, and bring in pressure. That's maybe not you know a, a zero type blitz pressure, but just the illusion of some pressure and things like that. So, thought we'd be able to you know make more. Uh, <clears throat> be more disruptive on that uh as well and not not good enough gotta go back we gotta be able to win our one-on-ones and he did a good job of you know they do a good job he's a great athlete moving the pocket and then you know they pits some balls in there on quick slants and things like that we've got to be able the pass rush isn't going to get there but you know defensively they forced some turnovers in the second half and and um uh, gave us a chance
0: Ooh, welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. It is Reaction Monday. Tyler West and Chris along with you. That was Coach Beamer talking in his post-game presser on Saturday about the defensive side of the ball and one of the big question marks we had going into the season. Much like the offensive line was the defense's ability to stop the run and didn't really have much to write home about on Saturday night, British Brooks. Returning from injury, coincidentally, last game he played was against South Carolina in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. 15 carries for 103 yards. Marion Hampton gets into the end zone twice for two of uh, North Carolina's four touchdowns. And again, just kind of like the offense, you're just get beat in, getting beat in the trenches by North Carolina with an offensive line that a season ago wasn't all that great, but they look like superstars against South Carolina on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, i trying to think of the best way to present this. I'm not. I'm not sugarcoating with this, but also, I kind especially going back and watching the replay of the game versus like all the all the ups and downs of watching it live and uh, feeling the energy of the fans around you and people being up and then down and you know everything in between. You know, you look at these numbers: British Brooks, 15 carries, 103 yards, long of 29. That's almost seven yards a carry. Chris, you look at. Amari and Hampton, 16 carries for 37 yards. That's a 2.5, uh, 2.3 yards per carry. Overall, 39 rushes, 168 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. And that's not even sort of, uh, That's not. that doesn't include a bunch of tackles for loss or sacks that kind of skew those numbers. So... I, I sort of looked at it as in like yes, that area still has to improve. I didn't feel like the the run defense was like just unfixable either. It, it felt like North Carolina did a good job of being hard headed in the running game. They sort of they certainly ran the ball better than South Carolina ran the ball. But I thought the linebackers for Carolina were very much improved versus what we saw most of last year. I, w- I was more surprised that Carolina wasn't able to be just more disruptive up front. You know, a sack here. There were a couple of plays where you're very close to sacking Drake May, and he's just really good at, at escaping. One, You know, one of those plays, he runs around. Actually, a couple plays I'm thinking of. One where Carolina rushed just two guys, I think, on a third and long. And there were, were guys sort of covered for, for what felt like 15 seconds and he just kind of floats one back across the field. Tight end catches it. You had another deep ball that, that I think was one of the scores where you know there was pressure and, and May moves around and uses his feet that, uh, against what was really a very good North Carolina offense last year. I'm not saying the defense was great Saturday night but after I rewatched it, I didn't feel like if there are levels to this, I didn't feel like the con- level of concern is near what it is there as it was for me looking at, again, going back to, to offensive tackle.
3: Yeah, I so I thought UNC was going to score 38 points in this game. That was my prediction. Obviously, I wasn't right <laughs> about that. Um, I thought South Carolina would win a close game. I think I picked 41-38. So I was baking in that I thought South Carolina's defense would improve from last year and still give up 38 points in this game.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So for me, it was kind of a mixed bag because I think if you just dial in, as you said, Wes, on the linebackers, Debo Williams, Stone Blanton, they had to play the entire game. Pup Howard traveled, he didn't play. Um, I think we'll see that change probably starting next week. You lose Mokaba very early, unfortunately. So the bottom line is now no, Bam Martin Scott. The Martin Scott wasn't on there. Yeah, he wasn't out there. So hopefully get him in too. Um, so those guys played the whole game, and they played a, a good many snaps. I Think each played you know seventy something snaps. So I thought that they played well. I think that they showed that they could be upgrades. You know, I, I think that that position is in better hands. Particu- now, you do need to get a couple other guys. You need Pup to come along as a freshman. You need Bam back in there. You need to build some more depth. But those guys look better. And then you look at even the two running backs. So, they did a really good job on and Hampton. He scored two touchdowns, but they were both in the red zone. Mm-hmm. You did a great job on him. British Brooks, not as much. I think he had, what, a 29-yarder in there? Yeah. But overall, an okay job. And, and Drake Maywest, their leading rusher last year, he bought bought himself some time, but he didn't make a giant impact running the football. Um, The, the, the bigger issue to me was that lack of pressure. And, and you're right. It was a great point you made to open the show. All of the problem areas that Shane Beamer laid out manifested on Saturday night. And so the edge rush was one of those. And I feel like there's... There's kind of a situation. You remember in the preseason, we always talk about it's hard to know what you've got because if one area is really good, maybe that means you're really bad in one area. If both seem good, or both seem not so good, you know, maybe they're they're both the same, but you don't know until you play another opponent. And so, I think what we've what we can now land on, and again, we don't make need to make like some grand proclamation, but it looks like. Both lines of scrimmages, particularly on the edge, need some work and um that that was probably the biggest you know disappointment if you're a gamecock fan watching that game is that for an offensive line that came in with questions at tackle you only i think you hurried Drake May like nine times out of seventy something snaps um you hit him a handful of times and you didn't register a sack and and you didn't really affect him. In a meaningful way for much of the game. Now, now he's really, really good. He's really good, um, but you you got to find some ways to manufacture some more pressure. So a question becomes: Can you get better there? You know, as the season goes along. Yeah, and the uh, so
2: some of that I think was not not being able to finish off yeah. the opportunities when they did have pressure on him. P- Pff, which I mean. Take it or leave it, honestly. But PFF had South Carolina's defense with 14 pressures in the game. The the weird thing about this is that South Carolina's number two and three highest graded guy on defense were edge guys Jordan Strong, Tyreek Johnson. Um, Sixth, Elijah Davis, who actually played some in, but just for, you know, a handful, like literally five snaps. Brian Thomas Jr. was eighth, you know, eighth highest graded on the team for the game. Also had an above average game as far as the grades go. 66.9 was his grade. Tonka Hemingway, 64.8. Um, Drew Tuazama played 22 snaps, according to PFF, and had a grade of 62.2, which is six, 60 is the baseline. If you if you did absolutely, if you affected the game in no way, you would have 60. So anything above 60 is kind of the baseline there. Um Strangely, those guys did not grade out that poorly. So, you know, I, I think the, the problem was there were, there were times in this game where it was just glaring that, okay, on that particular play, there was no pressure. And then it was sort of if you were watching South Carolina on offense and then comparing it to watching North Carolina on offense and the difference in the amount of pressure the two quarterbacks were under – That made it even more glaring to you.
0: Coach Beamer last night talked about the injury report coming away from Saturday, and it's not looking good for a couple of guys. We'll let you hear what he had to say. Coming up, you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game.
1: Reaction Monday. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence.
0: Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on a Reaction Monday. One thing we did not see on Saturday night was a special teams touchdown. That means the Lawyer Lisa special teams touchdown contest now rolls over to this weekend's game against Furman. Head on over to 1075thegame.com and register for your chance to potentially win $200 if South Carolina can score a special teams touchdown this weekend. Winners will be picked on the early game coming up Monday morning with Bill, Preston, and Jen. Again, because no touchdown happened this past weekend, the prize is now $200. Again, head on over to 1075thegame.com to register today. Uh, Coach Beamer speaking yesterday on his Sunday night teleconference. Uh, elaborated a little bit more on the injuries that we saw on Saturday night.
4: Uh, injury-wise, uh, we're uh, beat up, to say the least. Uh, guys that didn't finish the game last night were uh nicky manwari i would say he is questionable this week juice wells i would say is questionable this week um uh case and henry will be out this week he's probably going to be out for a while and uh mo kaba will be out for a while and uh out of respect for him i'll uh, comment more on that as as we get into the week uh as well so i uh, had some critical injuries last night that was evident and uh, we have to overcome it and got a young team that has to continue to get better and they will
0: we'll start off with Mo Kaba there and if you saw his reaction on the sidelines certainly doesn't look like a good situation for you know, he only got out there for one play and this is obviously a guy that spent his entire offseason rehabbing after getting early injured early late last season the the outlook's not too good for for mokaba here
2: yeah, certainly did not seem good. Um, played a couple of special team snaps early on too, I think, and then obviously had to exit early. And just, I mean, we we won't completely speculate, but based on Beamer's quote there, everybody can kind of read between the lines there that it does not look good. As we talked about earlier with Case and Henry, that is, I think, an offensive lineman's kind of worst nightmares when you get rolled up from behind like that. It seems like the most offensive line injuries, you know, and when they're most serious is either when you're, you're rolled up like that or you roll an ankle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it seems like those are most common at that position. You got big guys, they're in traffic and it was just an unfortunate thing. So you, you hate it for those guys regardless, but you hate it even more that both of them were coming off of, um, you know, serious injuries in the first place. And, Obviously, the other guys, Juice Wells, still coming back from the foot injury in the offseason. Nicky Maury, you could tell, you know, he he tried to gut it out. He was very frustrated, very upset. And that's the thing about a hamstring. You can, a a hamstring is not a gut it out type injury. It's not like a bruise. It's not something where it's a pain tolerance issue. It's, uh, you know, the most frustrating thing about it is that you can want to be out there. You can be willing to be out there. But your body just will not react the way you think it should and the way you want it to and so that that was obviously uh, you know incredibly unfortunate for him and unfortunate for South Carolina because you're talking about guys
3: they uh, could ill afford to lose. yeah I mean C- case and Henry again I said it earlier, huge loss um, you're dipping into your depth I-, I think guy has a huge upside and is an inexperienced player. So in some regard, you may be like, well, what's the big deal? You know, we, we don't even know if he would have played well. But he earned the starting job, and he earned it despite – only he only played in two games last year. He missed a, you know the entire spring. He missed some of the preseason summer. Still earned that job, and I think he would have stabilized one of those spots. So um, you, you need to get more healthy as a team. Like we, we saw some injuries early in the season. Arkansas last year, you know, you lose Kaba, you lose Jordan Strong. Those ended up affecting the entire rest of the season. So, uh, you know, it's clear that Henry will be out for a while. You need to get as many guys as possible back as quickly as possible. And then some of the young guys are going to have to grow up in a hurry.
0: And I think we're going to see some of them starting next week. And for a guy like Cason Henry, whose upside is, you know, with his skill and with his size, obviously... We talk about injuries starting to rack up that can only further plague him down the line. as it's this constant battle of trying to get healthy and trying not to get injured again?
2: Yeah, and I, I think if you're if you're South Carolina, you're you're really frustrated because you do have these number of injuries right now. They it, it felt like to me, guys, like you know every coaching staff has a little bit different philosophy as far as preseason goes, and some coaches will err on the side of. We're not going to be quite as physical in order to try to keep everybody healthy. Other coaching staffs will err towards, hey, we're going to run a very physical camp. It felt to me like South Carolina, knowing that they had to fix their O-line, knowing they had to fix their run defense, they ran a pretty physical camp. And when you, when you have a physical camp, the fact of the matter is it's football. It's a tough sport. You're going to get guys banged up. And obviously in this case, we're talking about guys banged up. Um, you know, in in the game, but there were several guys we were tracking, obviously who were banged up, leading in and practice. Beamer talked about how physical the summer workouts were, and guys that were banged up to start preseason camp. Well, in this case, you went the route of being physical, but then you look at that game. You would hope that that would then turn to feeling like you had a more physical product on the field. That your offensive line, your defensive line, were mashing people. Um, So, yeah, I I thought in terms of physicality, linebackers did look improved. But obviously, as we've talked about for about an hour now, offensive line, particularly at offensive tackle, did not feel that way to me.
3: You know what else we uh, struggled, Wes? Our buy or sell picks last week. Ouch. Big ouch. Do we Um, we miss on all of them? um, I know we missed on at least two. There's no doubt about it. So I don't I don't even know where it's at honestly. It's, somebody stole it. Yeah, it was probably Chris. But <laughs> the, uh, the 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 spe- so special teams did. I think they s- created an impact play. Yes. So we hit on that one. Anybody who picked that?
2: Yeah.
3: I picked that one. I did. You pick that one? Yeah. I think, I
2: think Tyler went against that one. I right think now. I may have gone against that one.
3: I know we all bought on one. We all bought on South Carolina to win the game. Yeah. The, the, the most glaring one. Loss that I can remember is uh, Wes, She did one on Decarry carry on joiner over a hundred yards. Yes, yes. Big, I think,
0: big I think, swing and miss. I think you and I both sold on that one, right? No, I, I bought. Did you buy? Yeah, I think I, I bought that one. I think I sold on and, that. And one.
3: here's another telling stat, right? So we're we're all talking about, you know, th- there's been some conversation about the carry on. Man, I, I don't know if we have a good enough sample size on that either, right? Like running back twenty three yards. PFF has him yards after contact twenty four. <laughs> so, so when you, it is never a good metric when you have more. If you have a low yardage total and your yards after
0: contact is higher than that low total, that's not not a good thing. Absolutely. That's all we have time for in today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. We'll continue to review North Carolina as the week goes along and eventually turn our sights to Furman this upcoming weekend for the Gamecocks' first home game of the season. Halftime show with myself and Colin Taylor coming up next right here on The Game as Reaction Monday rolls on.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer
1: solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.